Good morning. Shall we pray? Lord, we look to you in this moment, Father. Lord, we confess our inadequacies both to speak and to listen. We confess, O oh Lord, our shortcomings. We confess that our preparation was inadequate, our understanding is insufficient. Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do, that you would cause this moment to take on a sense of sobriety, that it deserves solemnity that is required. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would do a work in the hearts of all those who would hear your word today that only you can do. We pray, Lord, that this would not be wasted time for any who would hear. O oh Lord, be with us as we worship you. In this moment, speak to our hearts, we pray. Have mercy on us, is our request. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. going to read a few verses starting in in verse 13 Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 13 and we will read through verse 20 it says now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples 
to tell no one that he was the Christ. Many years ago, a man who was described as licentious, man who whose behavior was by no means one that should be emulated. He was a man who had taken up what was called at the time the slave trade. He had been on voyages that were African men and women were taken from their homes across the Atlantic and sold. This man was later influenced by Christians, including Wilberforce, who led the charge to abolish slavery. This man's name was John Newton. John Newton became a, a well-known preacher. And among the many things he did, he penned a, a song called How Sweet the Name of Jesus Songs. Here are some of the words of that song that he wrote. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's air. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fears. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. It satisfies the hungry soul and it gives the weary rest. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. Brothers and sisters, today we're here because of that name. We're family because of that name. That's why we're here, as Pastor said earlier. We're here because of that name. That's, that's the only reason we're here, because of Jesus. How many of you know that today? Were it not for Jesus, we wouldn't be here today. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds. We are saved because of that name. We pursue righteousness because of that name. How many of you know that? We pursue righteousness because of that name. And when we gather, we celebrate that name. 
You've listened to the text. I got to tell you, there will be no exegetical awards handed out at the end of this sermon. I'm going to go through this word by word and verse by verse. That's not going to happen. And perhaps some might even characterize this message as more emotional than substantive. Maybe there's truth to that, but I would beg to differ. If you listened to the text carefully, you heard Jesus ask two basic questions. Jesus asked his disciples two questions, and those questions may be summarized this way. Who do people say that I am? That was the first question. Who do people say that I am? And the second one is, who do you say that I am? In truth, every time we gather, every time, without of this church, in this church, every time we gather, we answer those questions. And it never gets tiring. Never gets tiring. Like Catherine Hankey writes in her song, I love to tell the story. She writes, I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story. For some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Listen to this. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, till be the old, old story that I have loved so long. But let's consider this very first question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do people say that I am? Jesus sits with them and Jesus asks, what are they saying about me? What are the people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? I've been with them for all these years, they've watched me, they've heard me. What are they saying about me? 
If Jesus were to ask me the question today, who do men say that I am? I'd ask him, I'd say, Jesus, how much time do I have? And I'll assume, I'm going to assume today that he's going to answer some 20 to 30 minutes to answer that question. Can I say right off the bat that I'm not going to tell you what some people who have weird views of Jesus, how, how they're going to answer that question. You know that there are some people out there who are going to say, well, you know, Jesus, he never existed. But we aren't interested in that. That's not what we're here for today. We're not going to talk about them at all. There are some people who are going to say, yeah, he existed, but he was just a, a good man. We're not going to talk about them either. That's not what we have in view. Jesus asks the question, who do people say that I am? If I were tasked with writing Jesus' resume, and I am told to keep it to a certain length, I would prepare it under a few headings. Perhaps I'll begin with his family background. And here I thought, to borrow the words from Sovereign Grace's website. And this is what it says about Jesus, the man and Jesus. Our God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, taking on himself a fully human nature with all its attributes and frailties, yet without sin. In this union, two whole perfect and distinct natures were inseparably, inseparably joined together in the one person of the divine son without confusion, mixture, or change. His human and divine natures are united and find expression in the one person of the eternal Son. Thus, our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son incarnate, is fully God and fully man. Who is Jesus? Fully God and fully man. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And then perhaps I would consider writing this resume. I'd consider his skill set and experience. I 
But we all know that he was a carpenter. Nothing extraordinary about that. But then, read the Gospels and we find that he was a miracle worker. Turned water into wine and he walked on the water and he calmed the seas. A miracle worker. Who is Jesus? Miracle worker. But that's not all. Perhaps I'll go on and write that he was a healer. He healed people with leprosy and demons. In fact, he even raised three people who were dead. Then we know that's not it. He was a teacher extraordinaire. He was the world's greatest teacher. His words are are still quoted today. They still have meaning and significance today. He was a prophet. Not only did he predict his own death, but he predicted what would happen in Jerusalem. He was a leader like none other. He called men and they immediately left what they were doing to follow him. Left houses and family to follow him. And oh, by the way, he was, I don't know how the, perhaps how the young people would say this. Maybe they would say he was a resurrector. They crucified and buried him. But three days later, he rose again. Who do men say that I am? Miracle worker, a healer, teacher, a prophet, a leader. I know, by the way, he was resurrected. And then perhaps I'd go on in this resume of Jesus and talk a little bit about his character. And maybe I talk about his condescension. That how it is that this man, this God man, fully God and fully man, how he existed even before time began. And he chose to condescend to humanity. Now you and I, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how deep you are in the scripture. You will never understand that. You can't grasp that. 
You can't. And, and, and listen, forgive me. I know I can't grasp it. Let me, let me say, let me personalize it. I can't grasp that. I mean, imagine for a moment. Let me tell you, imagine for a moment. You have some pet ants. And you needed to save them. And to be, to save them, you had to become an ant yourself. Well, guess what? That's a joke compared to the kind of condescension that Jesus had to make. Or better yet, imagine you had some cockroaches. And you needed to become a cockroach. Well, that's a joke compared to the kind of condescension we're talking about with Jesus. You can't even imagine it. But he condescended. What humility he displayed. Talking about his character. He was a man of compassion. Scriptures tell us that he wept over Jerusalem. He looked at the city. And he remarked how it is that Jerusalem had not accepted him. And he wept over her. And he said, oh, I can see that your enemies will be encamped all around you. And that you will be destroyed. He had compassion on the crowd. Remember those who came to hear him preach, and they didn't have anything to eat. The Bible said that he had compassion on the crowd. Talking about his character now, he was a brave man, unafraid of the religious leaders, unafraid of the political leaders. He didn't fear them, though he knew that they wanted to kill him. He was unafraid of them. About his grace, one hymn writer said, it was and is amazing. Another said, it is greater than all our sins. Yet another hymn writer said, it is enough. Grace is enough to bring the sinner home. About his love, John writes that he is love. He said of his love for his disciples that it is equivalent to his father's love for him. And then perhaps, in writing this resume, how can I ignore writing about what he says about himself? And here we turn to the Gospel of John where we find the I am's. Jesus says of himself in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, 
of the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way he writes, who is Jesus. John chapter 10, he says, I and the, I and the Father, we are one. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm preaching to the people who come to church all the time, and I know you know these verses. I want to just tell you how delightful it is for us to, to serve and to know Jesus. I want to put you in remembrance of these things. In John chapter 8, he, write, he says of himself, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall I live. Who is Jesus? I am the good shepherd, John records in John 10. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what he says about himself. But what about, what do others say about him? What do others say about Jesus. You know that thousands of books have been written about him, including every book in this Bible is about him. Moses writes about him. Moses says that he is the seed of the woman that would crush the serpent's head, Moses' prophecy. He says he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Moses writes about him that he is the Redeemer and the bread of life. The psalmists They write that he is the stone that the builders rejected. That he's a shield. He's our shield and the lifter up of our head is what we find in Psalm 3. The prophets declare that he is the prince of peace and our everlasting savior. Our husband to a wavered wife. What else do they write about him in the books? In the Gospels, he's the Son of God, 
the Son of Man, the crucified Savior. He was in the beginning with God and nothing was made that was made without him. In Acts, he's the comforter. In Paul's letters, he is our hope and our salvation. In Hebrews, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In James's letter, he's the one through whose sacrifice our sins are forgiven. In Peter's letter, Jesus is the one through whom we gain an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. In John's letters, he is love. And in Revelations, he is our soon coming king. That's what they write about him. Who is Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? But you know, if you've ever written a resume, if you've ever written a resume, you know that it's never complete unless you give some references. They always ask you, tell me who can we call and ask about your character, ask about who you really are. And if Jesus had asked me to write this resume for him, perhaps I would ask the Apostle Paul for a reference. And I suspect the Apostle Paul would say, I was chief among sinners, terrorizing Christians. But one day this Jesus He saved me, and he anointed me for ministry. He turned my life around, and if he can do that for me, Paul would perhaps say, he can do it for everyone else. And I believe it would be a good idea to get a reference from this woman of the well. she would probably say that he was not condemnatory or standoffish. He knew things about me that he could not have known if he were not the Son of God. And he offered me eternal life despite my sinfulness. He is compassionate and all-knowing. And I got her asked by the Lazarus to give me a reference for him. But the Lazarus would probably say, 
I died and they buried me. He went to my gravesite and shouted, Lazarus, come forth. Yes, he has resurrection power. And then I would end this resume of Jesus. And I would consider some of the names that they call him. I think that's important because we want to we want to get it right because sometimes you we want to make sure that when we hear these names, we are referring to the same person. Some called him teacher. Others physician, prince of peace. Some called him bread of life. Son of man, son of God. Living water, true wine, shepherd, Door, rock, shield, and buckler. John Newton, who we spoke about earlier, sums it up nicely. Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end. Accept the praise I bring. But in response to this question, who do men say that I am? I hear you, Peter. I, I hear the contents of this resume. I hear you say what others have said about him. I hear you say what Pastor Moss has said about him. I hear you say what Brother Tim has said about him. Sounds good. That's not the question. That's not the fundamental question. The fundamental question is not what people say about him. The fundamental question is, what do you say about me? That's the question. Jesus asked Peter, Jesus said, what do men say about me? And Peter went through all these names, these wonderful characters. And nothing wrong with them, nothing's wrong with John the Baptist, nothing's wrong with Elijah, nothing's wrong with the prophets. But Jesus said, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I hear the resume. I hear you. You've said these good things about me. But what do you say 
about me. And Peter could have gone through a similar list that I just went through. Peter could have said, you're a miracle worker. He was there when Jesus turned water into wine and when he healed Jairus' daughter. He could have said, you're a great teacher. He's been, he had been with Jesus. He even could have said, you know who you are. You are the son of Mary and Joseph. But that's not what Peter said. Peter moved by the Holy Spirit. Gave the answer that truly matters. It was a profound response. It was an answer that no one could truly give unless he was led by the Spirit. Sure, one could intellectualize. Sure, one could say what others have said. One could say it, I wrote. But Peter gave an answer. Jesus responded to his answer in ways that help shape our understanding of the gift of salvation. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The pages of the Bible are not about Moses. They're not about David. Not about Jeremiah, Peter, or Paul. The Bible is about God's redemption of mankind. And the Redeemer is Jesus. All of the scripture points to him. The ultimate question you and I must answer is not who others, what others say about Jesus. Rather it is, what do we say? about Jesus? That's the question. When Peter answered, when Peter gave the answer that he did, Jesus said, let me tell you something, Peter. You're right. He said, but guess what, Peter? Now you need to hear this. This is a big deal. Peter, Jesus' response to Peter. Jesus says, Peter, you're right. You're right, Peter. But flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You know what Jesus, Jesus was saying to Peter? Jesus was saying to Peter, listen, Peter, flesh and blood, that means, if Jesus said it ain't flesh and blood, that means it it's not a human being that revealed that to you. That's the point Jesus was making here. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And to make the point even clearer, Jesus said, but my Father who is in heaven revealed it to you. What's going on here? What's really going on here? 
Let's not get confused. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, you aren't just saying what you heard. You are saying something that's in your heart. You are saying something, not what you have heard. Not something that somebody has taught you. You are saying something that you truly believe. How easy is it for us when we ask this question to quote others, to say what others have said about Jesus, but not be able to personalize this ourselves. These verses help us to see that in the walk of salvation, God is very much active in the work of salvation. Jesus said it was his father who revealed to Peter who he is. Just as the father revealed to Peter who Jesus says he does the same to us today. He is the one who opened Peter's eyes to the truth. And he is the one who opens our eyes to, to the truth. And so aren't you glad today that if you know Jesus, if you know him today, if you truly know him today, that it is his father, not flesh and blood, who caused you to know him. It is his father who saved you. He is the one who opened your eyes. He is the one who chose you. If you know Jesus as Messiah today, as the one who died for your sins, if you know him as the one who paid the penalty for your sins, not only do you really know him, you belong to him. You're his. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you. His heavenly Father did. So can I encourage you today? Can I give you a little bit of encouragement? Sometimes you and I go through periods when we doubt. We doubt our salvation. We doubt whether we truly believe. What can I tell you? In those moments, let's remember what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, 
The heavy lifting here was not done by a man. It was not done by a pastor. It was not done by the person who you say, quote unquote, brought you, led you to Christ. It was not done by your goodness, your church attendance. Rather, it was done by your heavenly father. He is the one who caused you to know Jesus, to really know him, to know him for yourself. And so, brothers and sisters, who do you say he is? He's Jesus the Christ. I love to tell the story. It'll be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Let us pray. Oh, Father, Lord, how grateful we are that our salvation is not gotten because of our merit. Our salvation is not anchored to our behavior or to the behavior of others. Lord, we thank you that flesh and blood did not reveal Jesus Christ to us, to those who are your children. Father, we pray that this truth would be a comfort to those who sometimes doubt. We pray, O oh Lord, that this would be a comfort, Lord, to those, O oh Lord, who wonder sometimes about your love and about your care. Father, and in this moment, we pray, Lord, not only for ourselves, but we pray for others. We pray, Lord, for those who do not know Jesus personally. We pray for those, Lord, who only know about him, who can only intellectualize, Lord, who have heard about him, but and who perhaps can quote scripture, Lord, but don't know him. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would be pleased, O oh Lord, to do for them what you did for Peter and what you've done for so many of us. Open their eyes, O oh Lord, to the truth of who Jesus is. In the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people say,
Amen. Amen.